Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? All right, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> hey, Streaming Wasteland, I'm over here dying because of migraines. And this is Ringo talking, just in case, as with me, as always, in this great intro over here that Greg is dying from. Say hi, Greg. This is Greg. <laughs> I'm talking from the word Streaming Wasteland. We are movie talk good. <laughs> We discussed before we even started this, my brain is working at 2% of 2% or some shit like that. I don't remember at this point in time because math isn't my thing. I'm an English major. You're and a 69%. Hell yeah. I'm right there with Streaming Wasteland. I'm good for this. I'm good for this show. So yeah, this week we went ahead and watched The Princess Switch. Before we get into that, Greg, what have you been up to this week? This week we watched The Princess Switch switched again because The Princess Switch is the episode that's out today. I was going to uh, go ahead and get into more information yeah, later on. But you said it. They're the same movie. The They're all they, the same I mean, movie. they basically are. This one just adds a third <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens. What have I been up to this week? I watched Rebel Moon last night. That's a. Oof. Somebody needs to get in there and become Zack Snyder's like executive producer because this guy needs somebody who understands what pacing is and understands what can and can't go into a movie. I get that Snyder fans out there and other people are big fans of this. Like, well, he'll just release like a 92-hour director's cut, yeah. etc. And so, interestingly, you grow now. Netflix already pre-greenlit his director's cut. He apparently wanted to make a rated R Star Wars. They said, mm-hmm. make it rated PG-13, mm-hmm. but we'll let you make the rated R version too. And he was just like, okay. Even he said that's weird. And so I think it's a strange choice anyway. My groan wasn't because they did that. I figured they were going to let him go ahead and do rated R, PG-13, rated like NC-17 or whatever the fuck the other one is. And then fucking M for Mature, just for shits and giggles. My groan was because <laughs> everyone that I fucking know that likes DC is going to be like, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, watch it, watch it, watch it. And I'll be like, shut the fuck up, dude. I don't want uh. <laughs> I watched the first, I watched Rebel Moon, okay? And I, it was fine. I thought it was fine. It had its issues. I hate slow-mo now because everything was slow-mo. Every fucking <laughs> thing was slow-mo. Fucking slow-mo on slow-mo. God damn, man. There were scenes where he slowed down the slow-mo, and I was like, are you just fucking with us now? It's like if Christian Bale does the Batman voice. It's like, are you fucking with us? Is this a troll? <laughs> like, for me, there's an entire section of that movie. That, honestly, if you go and look at other successful heist movies and or we're bringing the gang together for a mission movie, they don't focus heavily on the actual backstories of the individual characters unless they're relevant to the plot, and this didn't do that. This is something I see a lot more in literature than I see in movies, but it's also a little bit uh, prevalent in TV. If you're going to make a part one, you have to either leave something for part two or you have to make me want a part two. And Zack Snyder barely landed on that part two. And it's not because of the character. It's not because of the story he told. It is because I actually like the universe he set up for this thing. Uh, and I've heard that there is an RPG already in the works, like a tabletop RPG and or maybe a video game. And I'd be interested in it. It seems like it could be fun. I think it's interesting that Netflix is trying to get into the gaming market more. They already have their Netflix mobile, but 
it makes sense for where they're at to try to spread out and start taking on some of these bigger media companies. But I don't know. The somebody needs to tell him not everything needs to go into a movie. Somebody needs to explain to him that one of the boringest things you can do is have a character sit down and info dump a bunch yeah. of shit to somebody. And somebody needs to tell him that if you are thinking to yourself, does my space movie need a dragon? The answer is probably no. <laughs> you don't need a, you don't need a space griffin, and you certainly don't need a, a hot bare-chested man to ride the space dragon. You can just put him in the movie. I'll appreciate it. He maybe you could be like, hey, how come we don't have a shirt? And he's like, I never wear shirts, and I'd be like, all right, <laughs> I'm fine with it. There are weirder character traits that I've seen in movies. Yeah. Well, you could probably go ahead and add in a dragon, but there better be a good reason. The griffin was there so that hot shirtless man could write it. The furry fanfic can go ahead and be like, yeah, I got something to write about. And monster fuckers could be like, yeah, I'd be in there writing that too. But not the same way that dude is. That entire scene is in there for the end shot. The mm-hmm. upwards angle of him jumping across slow-mo. the sun. Slow-mo. And then it slow-mos the slow-mo. I feel like there is a trend in both music and in movies to aim for the meme and make sure that there's memeable content in there. We talked about this a little bit with Free Guy, but Rebel Moon feels like it's a bunch of tropes and a bunch of stuff set up to try to tell a story, but also make sure we have some memeable moments in there. And the all the stuff you saw in the trailer looks great. It just doesn't really work with the rest of a lot of film yeah like i said i'll watch part two because i am a little bit curious to see where this story goes i like this universe enough i hope netflix doesn't just pull the plug after it's all done and maybe they let some good writer do (laughs) something in there honestly my two favorite Zack snyder movies are stuff that he couldn't fuck up and they're 300 and the watchmen which are both adapted from comics that already one had a strong visual style that would match his and two set themselves up for these big epic slow-mo battles which is what he likes to do and not assigning a writer to him like it's weird he's got this weird arc where he's treated like a a piece of royalty in in hollywood for having made 300 for having done watchmen etc and you look at the rest of his filmography and nothing in there really stands out. Like a lot of it is derided. It's got like a cult following, which I yeah. guess good for him. In that way, he's like Kevin Smith. No matter what he does, there will be some tens of thousands of people who are like, no, it's genius. You don't get it. Suck my dick from the back. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. That's you're right. But the rest of filmography is like Justice League and stuff like that, where you're at Suicide Squad and you're sitting there wondering, how is it that somebody thought this was a good idea to let this man be untethered just so, strange this is going to go down just like how Zack Snyder's uncut version of Justice League is where people are going to rant and rave that you absolutely have to watch the unedited version because it adds four plus hours of grotesque violence for nothing whatsoever and does nothing to add to the story that he's already got going on considering we got the story as far as we need there's a village that's under threat from the Empire and they go on a crusade to go find people to help them out I don't, with I, lots of monologues. With lots of, oh my god, everything was a monologue. No, it, it's like Snyder doesn't understand show, don't tell, and he just decided, hey, I'm going to tell you everything. Which, real quick, this do you know if this was based off a book? Because when I look it up, it looks like there's a book underneath the same name. It's entirely possible. I didn't do that much research okay. into it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a tie-in to some IP, just because it does seem a little wild to be like, Zack Snyder makes a Star Wars. And I... 
I'll say honestly, that might be the most damning thing about this movie is that it was immediately compared to Star Wars because the rumor around the campfire is that he wanted to make a Star Wars. Disney said no, and so this is his attempt at it. Yeah. But it really doesn't feel like Star Wars so much as it feels like a mix of Dune plus Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that maybe comparing it to Star Wars really does hurt it more than it helps it. It's not a great piece of contextualization. Like, honestly, if this was a Star Wars movie, this is closer to Rogue One, which doesn't really feel like a Star Wars movie a lot of the time, uh, but in a good way. This is one of those things where, I don't know, like I said, I like the universe, and I'll be interested to see what happens in it, but I'm not holding out hope for part two, the Scar Giver, or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you on that, because... I, like you said, I am interested in the world that's going on. I am interested in some of the aspects that they've got going through, like the plasma blades or whatever. And then you and I had a long, in-depth conversation about like, the guns that they're firing. I still think that they're firing off some sort of heated plasma or some shit like that, and not lasers. Maybe. So I guess I can understand the need for a slight action, even if you're not firing solid stuff, because it could be a venting system. Yeah. It's the hammer. That's where I was like, why is there a hammer on any sort of energy weapon? Yeah. You don't need percussion. But, well, again. And the only argument that I could have for that is you're firing off some sort of solid state matter that needs some sort of explosive material set off behind it. But, again, I'm, you know, like, yeah, it's flimsy, and I'm reaching really hard to make an excuse yeah. for it. But I, I mean, just, like, and like it's only in that one shot, and that's why I was like, this was just added for dramatic effect. Oh yeah, 100%. Right? so that this guy could show off how badass he was. Like, let's see if this little girl is tough enough to kill me. So you you know what I don't understand about that scene is, so he pulls the hammer back, she pulls the trigger, and it doesn't go off. Was there no? Yeah, ammunition that was weird too. Yeah, yeah. Is there no ammunition, or does he have some sort of superpower? Or is it all bullshit that no, will never be explained? <laughs> Speaking of bullshit, she's talking about <laughs> three different Vanessa Hudgens, Hudgenai, in this fucking princess movie. Yeah, that, that's a really good segue, actually. Wastelanders this week went ahead and took on 2020's The Princess Switch, switched again on Netflix, rated S for sucks. This movie stars Vanessa Hudgens as Stacy, Margaret, and Fiona. Vanessa Hudgens as Edward. Vanessa Hudgens as Kevin. <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens as Miss. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't do Florence <laughs> Hall and Ricky Norwood wrong. The rest of them, y'all can listen to yesterday's episode. <laughs> yeah, so we've got Sam uh, Palladito as Edward, Nick Sager as Kevin, Susan Braun as Miss Donatelli, Florence Hall as Mindy, Rick Norwood as Reggie. Our summary, it's been a whole year since the famous switch. Margaret and Kevin broke up with Margaret when Margaret was named the heir to the throne of Montenero. Montenero. And they haven't spoken since. Stacy and Margaret decide to switch places again so Margaret can spend time alone with Kevin. Meanwhile, Margaret's cousin Fiona, who just looks like Stacy and Margaret, kidnaps Stacy, who is pretending to be Margaret so that she can pretend to be Margaret in order to embezzle a shitload of money from the apparently very wealthy nation of Montenero. In the end, everything works out and we get a coronation or and a royal wedding or whatever fucking reason we don't fucking know it doesn't make any sense also santa is back question mark when it comes to critics writing from time magazine stephanie zacharek i think it's zacharek zacharek okay i was like that seems like chill but whatever (laughs) her this person's review is if nothing else how can you not love the idea of fictional countries with names that sound borrowed from 1960s sportswear companies 
The Princess Switch and its follow-up are so indefensibly enjoyable that they need no defense. Over the Daily Beast, uh, over at the Daily Beast, Jordan Julian writes, Netflix's latest adaption to this cheesy, low-budget Christmas movie canon is only around an hour and a half long, but it feels much longer. On IMDb, user Brooke and Nicole 98054 gives it a one-star commenting. This movie did not need to happen and bored me to death. I ended up stopping it halfway through. Same, except I had to watch it. <laughs> Meanwhile, over on Letterboxd, user Jade Talks Too Much gives it a 4.5 stars, remarking, do we, need to con- do we need to continue that one? <laughs> <laughs> I respect that Netflix decided to spice up their Princess X <laughs> rom-com sequence by adding a kidnapping plot and a third B. Hudge who's a super horny, campy villain with an even kookier accent. I love these goofy-ass movies. This is so cute and fun. The naysayers are just a bunch of grumps. We are grumps. Fact, I am a grump, and I will naysay. All right, Greg, I know you absolutely adored this movie. That's why we watched it. Yeah, oh, no. how'd you feel? Let's make the record clear. The reason we watched <laughs> it is because you, back in May, were like, <laughs> I'm going to put on the princess switch. We could have picked three other Christmas movies to end our 12 Days of Christmas with that had a potential for being better. But somebody over here was like, a 69 Jackie Chan, I'm going to pick the princess switch. And uh, yeah, so now we had to watch two and three, and that's your fault. Had uh, to. No fucking... one forced you to. No one put a gun yes, to your head. Yes, you did. You can't just do part of a trilogy. You, you can do, do the part of a trilogy anytime no. you want. Nope. We are traditionalists here. <laughs> and as the person who edits, I I will tell you that we have to do all three of the goddamn trilogy. <laughs> this movie fucking sucks, and it sucks for a different reason than the first one. The entire premise of this franchise is that you enjoy the charm of seeing Vanessa Hudgens play two different roles. And I think even for a talented actor and actress, and I'm not saying she's talentless, but even for a talented actor and actress, it gets pretty tough to do two full-fledged roles, like fully fleshed out characters. If you're just doing a bunch of like, oh, and I'm also the old man. Oh, and I'm also this. And they're in the movie for one or two shots. It's not really a big deal. You can always just write a couple throwaway lines and do a different accent. But to do two characters is already tough. To do a third character that's supposed to be fully fleshed out is fucking terrible and she cannot pull this off and I don't think anybody could have I wouldn't want to see other actors try it either I don't think very many actors could actually do three full different characters and so the characters end up coming off samey and that is really I I guess that's really my major issue with it everything else I have is plot related but the overall feeling of this movie is literally just not as good as the first one and a, a film I notably hated but this was much much worse I found Mindy and Reggie to be absolutely insufferable they're the best part of this movie and they're the worst part of this movie and Fiona is terrible Jade talks too much down there with her review a super horny campy villain with an even kookier accent or she's not really horny she just says like wow somebody's hot and I guess that's enough for our chaste ass demographic these days the amount of people out there who are upset by sex scenes for some reason somebody being like wow you look like you'd be fun in the sack being that's horny to them and campy this is fake camp this is a a way that people shorthand camp they're like she's just over the top and that makes her have a characteristic and it's like nah 
that's just annoying. We don't see any actual characteristics from her in this entire movie, which is why they made the third one, because she was a blank slate that they could just add traits to later. The only thing we know about Fiona in this movie is that she used to be rich, now she's broke, and she's trying to scam money from Margaret, Margaret Delacourt. Apparently the Delacourt and the Pembrokes are cousins, and we all know that your cousins almost always look exactly like you. Dad probably got around is what I'm understanding. He got all the way to Chicago, <laughs> he got to the Pembrokes, and... Don't spoil part four where we find out that they're all related. They're all long lost triplets. Didn't we find out like Stacy and Margaret were related in, in the first one? No, they just uh, look like each other. Uh, they're they're technically peers now because she married the gravy prince and he and then she was a and Margaret was a princess for a while, but now she's the queen, so they're not peers anymore. This movie was something else, man. They did not need to go ahead and add in a third Vanessa Hutchins. I don't know where they found mm-hmm. a third one from, but you already had the two Vanessa of them. Hutchins Factory. Oh, yeah. So they just print them out like Barbies. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, good. No, you got a thought, go. <laughs> so, uh, one of the big issues I have with this plot-wise and in this universe is... It would be one thing if the Princess Switch itself, like in the first movie, the whole entire revelation had been made in secret. But this was done in public. As I remember, it was they, they revealed the whole thing on a live, internationally televised, and apparently very popular baking show. And you're telling me that this is a year later, and there's not an entire YouTube community out there dedicated to figuring out which one is which. There were chodes, because we live in the worst timeline. There were fucking chodes out there who were drawing on Obama's face with fucking markers on YouTube to try to prove that he was wearing a skin mask, which, spoilers, it's fucking racist, and no, he wasn't. But the there's a, a whole industry of people who are out there drawn on his face in YouTube videos talking about like, oh, you can see right here that this is a mess. So you're telling me that there's not just thousands of people who are maintaining YouTube conspiracy channels about which one of these people is which and that the moment one of them switched, there wouldn't have been 400 TikToks being like, oh, you know what? Her gate is slightly to the left. Maybe this is it. And somehow putting them out and even more frustrating you're telling me that after it was revealed that the heir to the throne of a country that apparently has some degree of money and does have a police force as we learn nobody was like hey we need to put a mark on you or a microchip or something because if you get replaced by one of your doppelgangers that could really fuck us up yeah nobody thought at one at any point like maybe we should just tattoo a snowflake on your back right shoulder or something small or something that will be on your neck below your hair so most people couldn't see it something like that or this is 2020 there's black light tattoos you can definitely get that done there's no reason but for them to just be so cavalier wow that was crazy when you swap places with the commoner anyway nothing will change it's fucking stupid and then they accept the common yeah the commoner goes ahead and marries a, a prince but still they, they accepted the commoner like as if she was just part of the status quo the other issue that I have is Stacy is married, so if they do a princess switch, now the husband has to be worried, am I sleeping with my wife? Am I kissing my wife? Am I hanging out with my wife? Am I making memories with my wife? Or am I making memories with the queen? Mm-hmm. And then add in Fiona, then that's we're getting a little head. No, I'm getting a little head. But then you have the whole aspect of every time you do a switch, you got to worry, is this my wife? Mm-hmm. Or is this- And they touched on... Yeah, and they touched on it in this movie, right? Yeah. When Mar- when Fiona's pretending to be Margaret, she fucking fires people. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I don't know, man. They really hammer it down a little bit more in the third movie, and I can't wait to get into that conversation. But, like, I just, the Fiona was an unnecessary add-in, and 
she gets a slap on the wrist there at the end of the movie. You committed treason. It's okay. Just do a thousand hours of community service. Because she's family. Yeah, because she's family. Nepotism's great and all that, but in in royalty, from my understanding, they go ahead and behead your ass for treason, even if you're family. Or they lock you in yeah. a dungeon. I don't know. Because in America, it. we let you run for office again. True. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't commit treason to another king. He just committed treason to Americans, and we're peasants. That's fair. Yeah, the... <laughs> The whole slap on the wrist thing adds into why I don't really care for a lot of Christmas movies, and I don't really care for a lot of kids' movies, is because at the end, everybody just learns their lesson, and there's no real consequences, and that's fine, whatever. It's just, it's boring to me. It's very unexciting that we've gotten to the point, it reminds me of stuff like the Santa Claus, where the end of the Santa Claus has the entire neighborhood, if not, like, city learning that Santa Claus is in fact real, does have a magic sleigh, can teleport down chimneys, etc. And nobody reacts to that in any way besides like, wow, I finally got my toy. This is the same sort of shit, right? We got our fucking, our bad guy who basically could have tried to bluff her way out maybe a little bit more, but they were like, you're Fiona. And she's like, damn it, you caught me. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, I guess all that setup was nothing. She almost pulled off something that would have been respectable when she's like, do I need to call the guards? Fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Fucking do it. Get them thrown yeah. out. Get everybody thrown out and be like, I'm Queen Margaret and these are imposters. Everybody knows that there's an imposter, that they've done it before. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to go ahead and prove otherwise. You could just be queen and have all the fucking money of the goddamn country run it into the ground. Fuck it. I think the civil government would insist on a DNA test, but even then, I don't know that it could prove an individual identity since the DNA of cousins would probably be pretty close. Like, not only is it probably pretty close, they're going to be like, wait, you're Vanessa Hudson's and you're Vanessa Hudson's and you're Vanessa Hudson's? What? Has this been one person the whole time? <laughs> no, but like, they would have been like, okay, let's determine this. And as soon as that uh, Fiona raised her hand, they'd have been like, oh, you have a smudgy tattoo on your finger that can be seen across the room by one person? You must not be the princess, because she doesn't have anything. And then, yeah, like we said in the recap, there's a coronation and a royal wedding, but the royal wedding happens at an airport in an annoying fucking wedding scene. I I love the idea that a whole bunch of people are just going to stop at the airport and watch two people get married. If you've ever traveled through an airport, you're like, get the fuck out of my way. I'm getting to my gate. It's Christmas Eve. I'm at the airport. I'm trying to get somewhere. So fuck off. Like, yeah, the priest there was basically doing something similar to that. He was a lot nicer about it, but I know that if someone stopped me and was like, hey, can you go ahead and marry us? I'd be like, fuck off. I got three minutes to get to my flight. Eat a dick. Yeah, and also, I, why are airports in these movies always dressed to the nines for Christmas? Uh, I've been through SJC and SFO at Christmas, and they're like a wreath and a tree. But for the most part, it just looks like an airport. Yeah. <laughs> They don't need extra places where you could hide potentially suspicious packages. So I think that the only time that I've ever seen an airport that was dressed to the nines, I was leaving San Antonio, Texas to come home for for a family funeral. And it was a small... I said, that's a good call. You should always leave San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) I was in the military. It was the only airport out of there. And it was small. We're talking like the size of a a living room big. That's how Mm -hmm. big that fucker was. They had like three planes and one of them was made out of balsa wood. Also, I want to say, just kidding, I actually liked San Antonio for the time <laughs> I spent there. It was a pretty nice city. I, I liked walking along the river, and I enjoyed There's a craft brew hall there that was really nice. Anyway. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, You're, you're right there. I, I don't think I've ever seen a an airport that's actually dolled up, unless, of course, 
Like I said, they have three airplanes. One of them's made out mm-hmm. of balsa wood, and it's actually owned <laughs> by the old Saint Nick who's behind the counter about to give me my yeah. ticket and wink at me. Like, oh, that's that balsa wood plane? You you whip the reins of the reindeer, and then like it falls apart, and you're in a sleigh, and whoa, Santa <laughs> magic. If you had taken that balsa wood plane back to Albuquerque, you would have actually been Santa Claus by now. My life would have been different. Yeah. But Actually, over- you, your life might have just ended. I think Balsa would play would just crash on the ground. <laughs> the, Although you, you probably wouldn't have got too far either. Like It'd be like, and he would just die. He'd be like, ow, I have scrapes. <laughs> As I hear the the old man, got another one. <laughs> now you're trapped by a Krampus. Yeah, I don't know, man. I've got nothing else to add other than like this movie just let Fiona. This movie doesn't need to exist. Yeah, I agreed. And so to piggyback on something I said at the top, I was talking about Rebel Moon, but this also has an issue with pacing because we get a bunch of shit jammed into the beginning and it is mostly about catch up from what happened. Even though they do a recap of the first movie, then they have to catch us up on what happened after the first movie so that they could fast forward to this Christmas because God forbid we wouldn't make it a Christmas movie. And then we spend a bunch of time uh, with Kevin and Stacy and Margaret and Sam Edward, what's his name? Edward, played by Sam. That is just them fucking around for Christmas. There's a whole montage, like eleven minutes in, we get a montage of like, I didn't feel like decorating for Christmas, even though it's apparently your country's primary industry. And then everyone's like, Don't worry, we'll help you. And then in three hours, the entire palace is decorated for Christmas. But we got a whole fucking thing of that, and then finally about. 30, 35 minutes into the movie, we're introduced to Fiona. She makes an appearance and then we spend another 15 minutes with Fiona later where she's basically hatching her plan. We have to get to know Mindy and Reggie, whose entire personality is, know you. And then we finally, at the halfway mark of the movie, see the plot move forward. And after that, you're wow, this must be a really fucking long movie if they just got to the whole kidnapping Queen Switch thing. But it resolves itself in like 10 minutes. And then it's over. And you're just like, what the fuck? Because they spend the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie on Margaret and Kevin making sure they get together, making sure they get married, making sure they have a royal wedding, making sure they have a coronation. And then the movie ends on a Christmas song. And I can't even compliment the soundtrack this time because it wasn't a very good soundtrack. Nothing about it stood out. It's just this movie felt just every way worse than the first one. And that feeling will be continued in the third one. But. <laughs> to be fair, that 10 minutes you're talking about there didn't feel like 10 minutes. It felt more like forever. It For being 10 minutes, it took forever to get through it. Yeah, and that's, again, because of the pacing of this mm. movie. We have, I don't know, this goes back to the question of who's this movie actually targeted to, and I think the answer has to be teenagers and, and very young adults. I don't think this is for kids because I really don't, like, maybe I'm underestimating the youth of America, but I don't think royal intrigue is what anybody like 11 or below is going to be interested in. I just don't think that is something that, or at least not this type of royal intrigue where the the plan is embezzlement because it's a relatively advanced concept to pretend to be somebody and steal somebody. And I will say, I'll give credit to my wife here. I told her about the plot and she immediately quoted the office. She's like, identity theft is a real crime, Jim. (laughs) So that was very appreciated. But yeah, who is this movie for? I, I would argue that this movie is for stay-at-home moms. That's what I would argue for. That it's for stay-at-home moms. The sort of parents that are going to throw something on because they think it's Christmas-like. And then the kids are going to come in and distract them. And they're going to forget that they've got this going on. That's my opinion. 
So this movie is just filler, just yeah. noise. Yeah. yeah, okay. That makes sense. I would never have called this really artistic in any stretch of the imagination. It is product through and through. What? And the, Vanessa Hutchins plays three separate characters better than anyone ever could have. What are you so, talking about? When we released the first one, I actually was doing some Googling, and they've talked about, like, maybe there will be a fourth one. But she's, I think it's either her or Nick Cigar said that he is, they're not really into the idea of doing a fourth one. They're burned out on the characters. And I'm like, how? They're just <laughs> you over and over again. She she might be tired of having to go ahead and be like, oh, cheerio, I'm from mm-hmm. Chicago. Ooh, meow, and then having yeah. to throw in a fourth voice would be obnoxious as shit just for her. And then I do want to mention that what Ringo said at the top of this part was perfect. I actually wish they had just gone ahead and made Vanessa Hudgens every character. That would have been funnier to me. But we did once again have a learn to walk like them montage. Ugh. And God, dude, I get that that's a staple of this parent trap style movie, but it is an unnecessary thing to have happen a second time. We get it. We get that they know how to imitate each other. It's also awkward watching an actor pretend like they don't know how to walk like themselves. It's very awkward looking. It really It's off-putting every time. But in conclusion, I'd give this movie a solid two out of nine. This is towards the bottom tier of our Christmas episodes. I think if I had to place it in an order with the rest of our Christmas or like rank it among our Christmas episodes, this is above I Believe in Santa. But I think it's right there with Home Sweet Home Alone at like just above the bottom tier. Like this is the only thing that would eat the bottom feeders. This is the second mm-hmm. tier above. This is worse than this is worse than Last Christmas, Snow Globe Christmas. This is worse than Just Like in a Christmas Movie, Candy Cane Lane, The Night Before Christmas. Uh, this is worse than California Christmas. I'd put it on par with, like I said, California Christmas, uh, City Lights, aka Commuting Hell, Home Sweet Home Alone, The First Princess Switch. Actually, this is slightly worse than The First Princess, Princess Switch, so... I'll say that one's a, a tier above. But yeah, this is the only thing we've seen this holiday season worse than it is I Believe in Santa. And I really don't think, even with the third one coming up, it, it's hard to say that I Believe in Santa wasn't the worst Christmas movie we watched this entire season. I'm going to agree with you on that. And it is depressing to say that I Believe in Santa is better than this one. In fact, actually, I think Home Sweet Home Alone beats this one just barely. And when I say beats it, like neck and neck, I, I think oh. Home... I was saying I, I can't believe it's, or I believe in Santa is the worst thing we saw. That's oh, bottom feeder for me. Yeah, no, it's I believe in Santa is our baseline. This one's right above it, and then Home Sweet Home Alone. This is sandwiched in between those. Yeah, I think I'd put this slightly above Home Sweet Home Alone, but they basically filled the same plot, the same mm-hmm. slot, which is this didn't need to happen. This is mm-hmm. soulless corporate cash grab. Yeah, that's my opinion on it. I, the two out of six, I think, is what you said, and I'm. I said yeah, yeah two out of nine. Two out of nine, yeah. Two out of nine, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna tagline on that one. Two out of nine, yeah. just it's not worth it. One's a reserve for absolute trash. That's yeah, the, like buddies and Santas because they had games. one one testicle. <laughs> one out of nine for one nut. <laughs> I feel like we gave something else a one out of nine like not too long ago, but I can't remember what it was. So. We did, and it was probably so bad that neither of us couldn't remember it unless we see the name. That's uh, it. Might have been disenchanted. Maiden. I thought we gave Disenchanted an okay enough score. Like, not enough to watch. But... I should probably, like, write the scores down since we reference them. But yeah, <laughs> in the future, we, we know we gave one other movie a bad mark. But yeah, this is down there in, in the turd pile. Mm-hmm. It goes on the shelf of 
never ever like burn for fuel before watching <laughs> i'd rather get high on the fumes from a melting dvd plastic than watch this movie again yeah and with that we have been streaming wasteland unless greg has something else to add i know that we, he and i both could probably rant and rave about this movie all damn day because there is so much more that we could tear apart that we didn't but we apart. have another one coming we, up we have another one it's beautiful it's like uh, christmas month. Tuned for its episode. <laughs> and i have been migraine ringo with greg as always we are over on Twitter and Facebook, Insta, TikTok, YouTube. Greg has been putting out great YouTube videos. Expect to see some nice stuff coming out soon. We have the 12 days of Christmas, and this will be the 11th day. There will be a 12th day at some point in the near future. And with that, we love you guys. Say goodbye, Greg. Goodbye, Greg. Bye, guys. <laughs>